Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Dead Jester Productions podcast, episode 66. I'm your host, Joshua J. Moskers. No Kyle this week, but I am joined by special guest Colin Cronin from the Adventures in Advising and the Irish NFL Show. Thank you for being here. Thanks for the opportunity to come on and have a chat to you, Josh. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for being here. So why don't you tell people a little bit about what it is you do with the Adventures in Advising, the Irish NFL Show, a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, my name is Cullum, and currently I am in Dublin, Ireland, though I am originally from Cork and moved to Dublin nigh on 15 years ago at this point. I work in higher ed, uh, so the Adventures in Advising podcast, I suppose, makes sense in, in that respect. It's focused on higher education for anyone who kind of works with students. And I'm definitely something of a higher ed nerd. It's, it's always, education has always been a passion of mine. Alongside that, um, interestingly enough, given that I am Irish in, in every which direction, <laughs> I am also I'm an, an enormous NFL fan and particularly the, the Denver Broncos. I, uh, have an affliction for the Broncos, as I call it, because uh, I can't I can't stop watching them, no matter how bad they sometimes are. There have been great times as well. Don't get me wrong; there have been wonderful moments uh, of I following know, the Super Bowl. Ex- exactly, we've a, a few Super Bowls which uh, ha- have been great. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm so I'm a big Broncos fan, but just football in general. So. Um, I've been involved with the Broncos Europe fan group, um, along with um, a friend of mine, Michael McQuaid, and then the Irish NFL show is a more recent addition, uh, something we started last season, but it has been a lot of fun and to, I suppose, bring fans to, together um, because there are quite a few NFL fans here in Ireland, so um it, it's been nice to alongside my kind of work to be able to um podcast about something that i'm passionate about outside of work and uh, mm-hmm. that has been great over the last year during the the pandemic because we have had pretty strict restrictions in ireland for um most of the year so to to have had the podcast has been a, a really wonderful and welcome distraction yeah. Awesome. Yeah, no, I know we, uh, I don't, it sounds weird, like talking like the pandemic has been a benefit, but we took advantage of the, the availability of time and, and kind of built up our, our work as well, especially with like our, our streaming side of things. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's awesome to have you on here. Uh, I was going to start off with the, uh, adventures in advising side of things. Sure. So I know, so you work with a lot of international students, right? Like you that's primarily your focus? Yeah, exactly. That that has been um, my focus for the vast majority of my career in higher ed has, has either been, um, you know, working directly with uh, international students in some way, shape or form. Uh, I also did uh, a year working in Ireland's immigration office, which taught me that mm-hmm. I didn't want to to, to work in in that area but it did allow me insights in which have been very useful when working with international students in terms of yeah. letting them know what requirements they have to meet um, you know visa applications and all that sort of stuff nice so like I guess I'll, I'll start at the beginning like how did you decide to get into like education as a whole like what, what led you down that path yeah that is 
I suppose it, it goes back a long way. It goes back to okay, what the there was a program in secondary school or um, what you'd refer to in the United States as high school. When mm. you're about 15, you do um, a transition year, right? So when you go into our equivalent of high school, essentially it runs for six years, basically between the ages of 12 and the ages of 18. Mm. And there, there's a junior cycle and then you do a, a set of exams at the end. That's three years and you do a set of exams, which really... Don't, they, they don't mean a whole lot, but they are probably practiced for the senior cycle. But the senior cycle mm-hmm. is only two years. But for many schools, they have, they've introduced, I think it was first introduced, I believe, in the 80s. So it, it had been around a good, a good long time before um, I got it. Uh, I did it. It was transition year. And transition year is a year where you do lots of different things. So you, we, we started a school newspaper when newspapers were still a thing and we set up a mini company and you do work experience and you kind of do a lot of different subjects that maybe you don't necessarily do in, in a formal curriculum kind of setting. Okay. And part of that was what was known as the Mehel program. And, and Mehel is an old Irish word. And it, it, it was from a time when farmers used to, get together and go to so if if you and I had a farm and then let's say um let 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 let's pick uh Nick Foles Nick Foles also had a farm right um yeah. then and on Nick Nick's farm he we would go there all of us together we would work together to harvest on Nick's farm and then we would go to your farm Josh all of us and then we would come to, to my farm so it was it meant working together um and that there was then uh in school there was what was known as the Mehel program and it was kind of like you would do listening skills, communication skills, team building skills. And then when you went into your fifth year of secondary school, you would be involved in, I suppose, helping the the new first years into high school to settle in. So you would okay. help out with orientation and all that sort of stuff, kind yeah. of um, peer mentoring programs, that, that kind of stuff. So I was fortunate um, to, to do the Mehel program and then I became a team leader on the Mehel program. And even when I went into to university myself, I... Um, I was involved with student government. I was involved in various societies, um, clubs and societies, um, like writing comedy, film society, travel, stuff like that. And nice. um, I was coming to, to the end of my master's and I really didn't know what exactly I was going to do. And I was actually working as a team leader on the metal program at the time. And I was talking to um, one of the other ladies there, Henrietta. She was kind of the organizer of the whole thing. And I said, I'm finishing up my thesis and I'm really not sure what I'm going to do. And she said, there is a student support team at the Cork Institute of Technology. I think you'd be really good fit for it. Um, The guy who runs it um, is a man named Kieran. Um, You should give Kieran a call. Um, Here's his number. So I said, yeah, that that sounds good to me. And so I want to say, I think that was a weekend when we were finishing up. And so I rang Kieran on the Monday and I said, Kieran, I, I hear you run a student support team. Could you tell me a little bit more about it? He did. I said, that sounds great. Um, I'd be really interested in applying. He said, oh, that's interesting. Tell me a bit more about you. So I did. And he said, great. I, yeah, I'd certainly give you an interview for, for the, the student support team. I said, sure. Why, when? And he said, how about now? 
I said, oh, okay. So I printed off um, a, a resume, uh, ran into college, printed off a resume um, and headed out to the Cork Institute of Technology and ended up becoming the first non-CIT grad to work on their student support team. And that was like a grad program. So you did it for a year and we it was a great year, um, made some fantastic friends and it was an introduction, I suppose, into student services because we worked mm-hmm. with a lot of the, the services um, in the, the Institute. And it was from there then that I moved to Dublin after that and began working, running a study abroad program uh, for uh, an American institution. So I worked with a lot of students from the United States, um, which, and I had the opportunity to travel to the the United States quite a bit, um, both in a work capacity and then having gotten to know people, um, Mm -hmm. you know, who who were were, uh, working there and go and visit them for holidays. And it, it really progressed from there. So I've, I've worked at a number of different institutions, but almost always with um, international students. And um, mm. I, 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 I love the work. I think education can be really powerful. Um, I wish it was more accessible to more people and, and wasn't mm. kind of so um, expensive. I think that's um, an area that needs to, to be addressed. But I have seen the transformative power of education and particularly international education. Um, and that's, I suppose, where it's been so difficult with the past year with COVID because mm. I, when you study abroad, it, it, it means more than just the, the classes. It, it's getting out into that particular country and that city and meeting people from that place and learning about the culture and seeing the sights. Um, mm. And, you know, so, so to me, it, that, that's, that's what the real transformative aspect of it. And, and sure, you can, the, the classes and the learning environment are definitely a big part, but there is a, another side to it. So we haven't had that for the last year, but um, that, is, that was my kind of route into to higher education. Um, it's, it's hard to believe that it is 15 <laughs> years now and, and a number of different institutions, but it has allowed me to see how similar institutions are in some ways and how different they are in others because each institution very much has its own culture its own way of doing things its own ethos what's important and so that has been really fascinating to to see those things yeah that's awesome that's awesome i i was taking notes while i this down i wanted to come back to it circle back to a couple points here one it, it always blows my mind when i hear people talking about like secondary schools and uh, and and that sort of age range uh, from uh, overseas uh, educational uh, structures in the sense that like it seems as someone on the outside here that your your education is focused more on helping you uh, push you towards a career path and letting you kind of decide in that regard. Am I right about that, or um, like they're, they're they're kind of leading you down a path that you get to choose maybe? Yeah, to, to to an ex to an extent. I mean, the Irish system is is interesting. Um, 
and there are there are, there are pluses and minuses to it. So the Irish system is very much based on it's all heading towards the leaving cert, which is what you do in your sixth year in secondary school. And okay. the leaving cert is a set of exams that you take, and then your results in the leaving cert dictate what you what you study in um, university. So you okay. you have a you have a choice. You get to choose. Say you get to list essentially ten different university courses that you would be interested in but mm-hmm. you have to to get certain grades in your leaving cert in order to um, get okay. into those courses so it, it is an interesting um, system in in that it there is there is something everyone takes the same exam every single person in the country you know in the republic of ireland takes the same Mm. exam so there is a a, you know some you know level of equality there though obviously some people if their family has resources they can take additional um grinds Mm. and 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 various bits and pieces like that um but I, i it I, no system is perfect and definitely mm-hmm. from looking at systems around the world um there are there, there are you know there I, I see good things about the Irish system I see things that that can be frustrating but our university like it is all aimed at the leaving certain getting into university and the university system then is um and I think this probably some of the, the differences that you see a little bit at, at high school level become even more so at um, third level, at university level in Ireland, okay. because you, if you are studying engineering in Ireland, you will take only engineering classes, essentially. Mm-hmm. You may have oh, okay. some, some little bit of choice within that, and you can take some additional, maybe you could take an additional language or, yeah. or, or something, but it is, it is very different to the American system where, you know, you can, like... <laughs> you can kind of be, um, your, your, your first year, you might not have a major, um, you could change majors and things like that. Um, that's kind of a freeway, essentially. The Irish system is much more of a railroad. Um, you're okay. on, you're on the track. Um, you have a little bit of choice from the, um, you know, the the snack the snack cart that goes around to to <laughs> choose what you want to to have on the journey, but you know where that journey is ultimately going to to take you. Whereas, obviously, in the American system, you have much more choice. You see people change majors. You see people take, um, yeah. you know, classes that maybe technically are aren't relevant to their particular major, but they mm. enjoy that. So there there is more choice in the. Uh, American system but I think in the Irish system what we do see probably is um, some fewer fewer dropout rates particularly once you go beyond first year and mm-hmm. kind of um, pretty steady graduation rates nice yeah I, I can only speak from my own personal experience but like especially with with our high school I, I felt like it was uh, more geared towards it was like a results oriented approach where it wasn't necessarily like trying to get us to like know what we're, we want to do or like it's not even necessarily like oh we're going to try and lead you on the path to you know trying to help you pick a major in college it wasn't about that it was about uh, the school wanted good test results on like the standardized testings because that got them funding and it, a lot of that and I, again I'm I'm definitely speaking out of my depth here a bit. I have 
never worked in education or anything like that, obviously. But but I know like a lot of the textbooks, like I forget which company we used. It might have been like Pearson, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like Pearson would make all the textbooks. We'd use Pearson textbooks. And then all the standardized tests were also made by Pearson. And they would hire people basically off like Craigslist and places like that online to grade a lot of like the written portions and uh, and results like that. And it was it was just weird. It was all focused on getting good test scores as opposed to building up towards like a, a university uh, like decision making as far as like where you want to go. And I always thought that was it was kind of weird because even in our our course selection at school, um, at least in my school, again, not not speaking on for everyone, but we had Spanish and that was basically what everyone took was Spanish and everything else was focused on like here are your core math classes, the core science classes, uh, the core like we had English or like literature studies uh, that kind of, you know, kind of went hand in hand. Um, and then we had a couple of external sort of style class other than gym and like physical education, but everything focused around those core building blocks of, of math, science, uh, like language, so to speak. And then again, it all kind of came back towards the standardized testing. Mm-hmm. And it, it just kind of felt like a weird system where the teachers were encouraged to just get us on track to get good scores on the standardized tests so that they could increase the funding for our school. I don't it, know how that compares to what your experience is. I, I think... I think where everything it feels like a lot of the world is is moving in in somewhat in that direction in that we want everything to be quantifiable. Mm-hmm. And it's not just at the educational level. I mean when you when you look at work and the way in which work everything is now about KPIs. Um mm-hmm. key performance indicators, KPIs. What are your KPIs? Are you meeting your KPIs? Um and I I think I see that say in sports as well, like the obsession with stats and yeah. <laughs> the reliance just solely on stats and, and and not looking at kind of human emotion and the way in which that impacts um all all of our various different decisions and transitions and and, and everything like that. Um and and obviously there is some value in stats, but where stats become the the be all and end all, um, then stats get duped, and um, that that creates huge issues in and of itself. I mean, I think if you if you look at policing and the way, and if you if you were to police solely off of stats, that's not going to necessarily lead to good policing. The same way, if you teach based solely off of stats, that's not going to lead to good teaching. The, the same way that if you if you coach in in, uh, in sports solely off of um, stats, that won't mm-hmm. lead to to good coaching. So, um, I I I do worry a little bit that um, the ju- the obsession that I see with stats and quantifying everything. Um, it's, I, I, I don't think you can quantify everything. Um, and I don't think you should quantify everything. And uh, yeah. I, I think it, I don't mean it, to interrupt too much. Yeah. I was just gonna say like different people learn in different ways. And mm-hmm. so the fact that there's like a hard regimented, like, this is how we have to teach this. This is how we have to, to do this. I think some people struggle. Like I, 
I recognize some people like that I went to school with uh, in my my calculus class in particular. It just wasn't working the way that the the guy that sat next to me in particular, like he he just wasn't learning well. It's not that he was a dumb person; he was a very intelligent person. Just the way the class was structured was not working for him in in that way. That in a way that he was being like very successful with it, and it is kind of unfortunate because it's like I know this is a very smart person. I know that he could definitely do this. It's just it's not structured in, in a way that he can succeed in this particular system, and it was very. It's just kind of a strange situation where it's like, okay, well, like they, like the teacher almost said, like, I need, I need you to try and figure out how to do it in this way, as opposed to let's figure out something that works for you. It was, it seemed like kind of like a backwards way to approach it from, from my perspective, at least, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think, I, I just think we, you need to take um a, a bigger picture view because a lot of times mm-hmm. experience right and the the enjoyment you can't you can't quite like you can't quantify that um mm-hmm. you know the best parts in life cannot be quantified d- despite our, our our desire to do that so um i do i think we need to look at what can be quantified what can't be quantified um and, and recognize that some things just can't be, but um, there just seems to be a desire for data, 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 and mm-hmm. um, I, 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 I'm, I'm not on board with that. Yeah, it's, it's, and I don't, I don't know because I, I don't have kids or anything like that. But it's based on what I've heard from my coworkers who do have children, uh, who actually went to the exact same school I did they seem to be upping the number of of tests they take per year. Is that a thing you've experienced as well? Like, you know, anything about that over overseas as well? Like I don't. Um, Certainly there, there seems to be a desire to test younger. Um, We're not quite um, at say standardized um, nationwide standardized testing. Um, at least that's my understanding, but mm-hmm. there does seem to be a, a desire to, to, to have that. And, um, I think like even anecdotally, right. When p- people have kids, how often are they happy when their child, like they're the obsession with being above average. My, yes, my child is longer than average. My, <laughs> my child is above average, above average, above average. It's, it's, it's just an obsession with, again, being above above average at that particular time without yeah. stopping to think about you know what what some of that means bigger picture wise or, or why that you know <laughs> why some of it matters but again yeah. it's just like quantify it like so we can measure it because we need mm. to measure it yeah we don't have that problem with my little brother <laughs> <laughs> yeah he actually he has uh he, has, he hasn't they haven't seen anyone about it my, my little brother's adopted he is seven uh it was my my father and my stepmom and they he has like an an attention issue where he just he very it's not that he's not trying he he definitely he just struggles to pay attention to things a lot of the time and so they 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 held him back from from moving forward in school at first and so it's i mean it's working out well for him now i guess but especially like at his age he's in first grade now and especially with the the pandemic and being stuck at home and everything it's de- you can definitely tell it's been a struggle trying to help him uh, stay focused on on his schoolwork in general, and uh, it 
he's very much distracted by everything around him. Uh, has that been an issue? I'm, I'm assuming it's been some sort of a, it's played a part at least, uh, like being a uh, student stuck at home. Has that been an issue with like your work particularly? Um, well, I, I think some some of it is, you know, we, we talk about kids being super distracted, but they mm-hmm. live in the most, um, you know, they, they're, they're, all, all their stimuli are constantly bombarded. Like yeah. all, all of all of the time, you know, you can you can access data uh, and you can mm-hmm. access all of this information. And they they there are there are computer screens, there are phone screens, there are television screens. Um, you go you go out. There are um, you know the the flashing neon signs. They there there are computer games. There are handheld mm-hmm. games there, and then we're surprised that that kids can't concentrate. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think sometimes again, if you look, if you look solely at the, the 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 data that like attention spans have have shortened, sh- sure, yeah, problem mm. that that might that might be the case, but but why, you know, and 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 I, I don't know if the answer to to that is to give kids, um, you know, prescription medicine to increase their attention span rather than saying, well, what is it that we have created that is leading to um, shorter attention spans? And the other thing I think that happens, I go, I go to conferences at times and I hear talk about students as if they're totally different <laughs> group of, of people. So I hear things like, oh, students are always on their phones. And I look around the conference and everybody's on their phones. Yeah. Um, so we, we, we love to label as, as well. Um, and, and it's something that, it, that exists in, in all of say, like, um, and, and, you know, it, any piece of research people will disagree with, but um, I know that there's a, a psychology professor, Philip Zimbardo, who's done some studies on um, perceptions around time and how, like, we, we've had time-space distanciation and time-space compression, because if you think about how long it used to, tra- to take to travel to certain places and the way in which you can travel there now. So our... Um, and uh, we get mad about like how long it takes, you know, sometimes to access the internet on our phone or how mm. long it takes our computer to boot up. Um, and that's, that's interesting. And Zimbardo, I remember seeing a piece and this is, his, his research is quite old that I, that I'm talking about. So, so maybe people have done more recent um, research okay. into this, but he had a piece where people kept saying, um, they were busier this year than they were last year, um, mm-hmm. and I, I've tr- I, I try not to use the word the words tired or busy because you could always be tired and you can always be busy. But people said in this research that they were busier this year than last year, and last year was busier than the year before. So everyone was getting busier all the time, and yet when they didn't have enough time to spend with friends and family, and yet when the researchers said to them, "Okay, imagine there was an eight day in the week." You know, um, what would you spend that time doing? Would you spend it with with friends and family? Would you spend it sleeping? Would you spend it working? And the majority mm-hmm. of people said they'd spend it working. Uh, <laughs> so um, it it it's really it's really fascinating to see kind of what we have uh, created for ourselves, and we we kind of we we say that you know we we don't have enough time to sleep, we don't have enough time to spend with friends and family, and that's because of work. 
And yet, when given the option, like, what would you spend it doing? Oh, I spend it, I spend it in the work. That's, that's what we choose because we need it because we need the money, because we need the money in order to buy the houses and buy the, um, you know, gas to go in our cars, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Going, going back to what you said about everyone being on their phones, a lot of that too, like, I know with my, my little brother and with my, my coworkers' children, all of their textbooks are now digital. They, they have... Uh, uh, like tablets or, or uh, laptops and all their textbooks are on everything that they need for school is on that uh, laptop, which coincidentally is obviously where they can obviously get uh, YouTube or any other entertainment based stuff, which could also play into distractions. Um, but do you think that plays a part as well as having everything? I don't, I don't know if, if that's a, a major thing all over the place, uh, going digital with all the textbooks and everything as well but yeah and yeah. i think i think when you see like we're we're di digitally rewiring kids brains because mm -hmm. of the exposure that um we're we're giving like and and that's for all of us we're we're all like if you have the option to you know, um, if you had the option to, to log into work and if there are no repercussions or Netflix was beside you, mm -hmm. um, which are you going to log into, right? And we know now studies have shown that young people's brains, are, we don't understand risk. We don't understand consequence. We, we don't, um, we're not, they're not fully developed until we're about 25. Mm -hmm. So over the past year, you people, if they were at home, it was much easier. Do I log on to class or, or disappointment or do I what do I go down a, a YouTube rabbit hole of fail videos? Um, right. So so once the, the choice is there, it, it's very difficult um, to to resist that. And again, we, we always put it just on younger people but that is that's the the case for for all of us i feel um th there's kind of um a perception of, of 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 so much choice but sometimes it's almost the ease of choice because I, I i was reading recently that um netflix when netflix was a dvd service um and and yes for some of you your listeners netflix really was a dvd service where you, you had to have it mailed out to you their their collection of what was available was so much bigger um but it took time time to re time to receive it whereas now it's in it's smaller but it's instantaneous mm -hmm. so for and and how how many people talk about you know falling down um you know and 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 losing themselves in in spending so much time trying to find something to watch yeah. what, what did you do last night oh we just spent it on looking on netflix trying to find something to watch what did you end up mm -hmm. watching uh no, nothing nothing really in the end ended up watching you know an an an, an old episode of insert generic sitcom here um so it's it's interesting i think what we are what we are doing to our brains i think we're still in the midst of a digital revolution and i mm -hmm. don't think we fully understand that as yet yeah and that one of the other things i wanted to uh, uh circle back to too is the accessibility of education you mentioned you were hoping that'd be more accessible um there are quite a few uh online like courses you can take as far as uh just general like learning how to do things uh like sim like simple things like you can take math classes online you can take uh i forget what the 
website is called, but they have like acting classes as well, like things like that. Do you, do, do you think people just aren't taking advantage of some of these as well? Maybe. I no, I think sometimes people are, but I think it's the, in the formal education piece. Mm-hmm. And so you, you now, if, if you look at say the way in which previously maybe you needed a degree to get a certain job, now you mm-hmm. need a master's to get that job. Um, we are as as a you know, and and this is this is a kind of across certainly many parts of the world. We're producing a phenomenal number of PhDs um, graduates. Mm-hmm. If you want to do a PhD, that's great. But um, you know, I suppose it, it's recognizing what, why you're doing it and 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 coming out the other side of it because we have made. Um, those faculty positions kind of publish or perish um, you have to be constantly publishing it's not just about teaching now it's about ensuring that you bring in research grants and that you're um, you're having articles published and, um, and and books published and you're appearing um, in in the media no longer is the role of a faculty member just to to teach you actually mm-hmm. bring in research grants which buy out your teaching time so that you know um, uh, a, a post um, postgrad, postdoc, or you know, non-tenured faculty member t- teaches the the class instead. It just has you know, you've designed it, mm-hmm. and um, I I think that um, if you if you make it so that you know the cost of education, if you look at it, it it's risen kind of like the way in which house prices have have gone. You know, like mm-hmm. it's it's certainly in in Ireland, it's not that long ago that you know the average house prices. Certainly, if you went back to the sixties, you were talking mm-hmm. like you know five thousand five thousand equi- right the equivalent right, and and now mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're talking about you know five hundred thousand, um, mm-hmm. and and education hasn't quite gone to that. But you know, in in many institutions in in America, you are talking tens of thousands of euro per or dollars per year, mm-hmm. um, and uh, if people are taking on student loan debt, um, how sustainable it is that um and i i suppose it's just um looking looking at that can can that can that continue um again from reading around things there's there's a claim you, you never know how how certain these things are but certainly mm-hmm. there seems to be um a lot of uh, talk out there that this is that this next generation are, are likely to be um have have let um less access to, to education or, or less, be less formally educated than their parents um, and their mm-hmm. grandparents. And when you consider that, um, and again, look, there some of this is, is looking back to rose tinted glasses because there were massive issues back in the um, in, in terms of, of civil rights and in terms of women mm-hmm. accessing workforce. But where you had one person and w- or one salary able to to buy a property and support a family, yeah. and now mm-hmm. you have two parents working and, and still almost you know struggling to, to get by at times. That yeah. that's where you go. How has so much changed in such a I, short space of time? I was gonna say it. I we've referenced that a couple of times on our show here. With different people where like it, and it is sort of like a, a stereotype sort of thing. But you go back to like the fifties or sixties, and you think of like 
you know, the stay at home mom, they have like the, the child and the, the dad goes and works at like the post office, but yet they, they own a house, they have their car and it's, it's bizarre to see how it's completely different now. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I work about 80 hours a week for my, my full-time job. My girlfriend works 40 hours a week for her job. I work from home here doing extra stuff and it's like, eventually we'll buy a house. Yeah. But I mean, we're essentially doing three jobs just to, you know, be able to do that. It's, it's bizarre. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it really is. Um, and it's, it's something that, you know, that how that, that can't, that, that, that can't continue forever. You know, mm-hmm. what, what happens that the next generation after us, it's, they, they work, you know, rather than one job and then you're working three jobs, they work five mm-hmm. jobs that, that, that isn't sustainable. Yeah. And that's part of where our, uh, our minimum wage conversation keeps coming up here in the U S especially is, is it's not even, it's not a livable wage right now. There, there's just, I can't think of anywhere you could live where you could buy a house and on seven twenty five an hour, you're, you're having to work multiple jobs to be able to live anywhere. Cause I, we live in a, like our apartment is nice. Don't get me wrong. We, we pay, uh, it's it's $9.15 a month for it. And it, that is insane. Like it, it's just, it's so much for what little we get realistically. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I think we're, we're seeing that in, in many, many places. The, it's, it's, it's not just in one location. The, mm-hmm. the cost of, of property has skyrocketed um, in, in many, many yeah. locations. Um, but you are, you're, you're still, you know, and there's talk about like, well, why don't you just move out, out of the city? But it's like, well, where can I get I a job afford- then? Yeah, it's like I can't afford to move out of the city. <laughs> if if I if I won the lottery, happy days, yeah. but that that just isn't the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm speaking on the, the price of housing as well. I can use example like uh, my girlfriend's parents' house. They bought it 17 years ago, I believe, roughly. We'll say 20 just to, to make it easy. 20 years ago, they bought it. They bought the land and they built the house for about $125,000. Their house is worth about five hundred and fifty thousand dollars now. That is a massive increase in value. Like, I, it it blows my mind to think mm-hmm. like, oh, that it, it. There's no way they could have afforded that today, work like working what they did. There's just no way. No, but they, no, we we have, we have seen yeah. like phenomenal um, transfers of, of wealth um, mm-hmm. over. Even even if you were to go um, back in the the last um, probably the last decade, like if you go back to the crash uh, in two thousand eight and and, and mm-hmm. the reasons behind that and 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 who ended up paying the price for that, um, yeah. and and then you look at the the wealth kind of transfer since since then, mm-hmm. um, it, it like and and you you need you you need people who have, have money to spend in order to keep the system going. If, if people mm-hmm. don't have money to spend, the, the system itself won't be able to keep going. So where does this end? Yeah, I know that's been a big thing here, particularly, especially in our area, not just in the U.S. in general, but especially in our area, there's been a huge focus on it, uh, which is like the small businesses and the lockdown procedures where we need to open back up because you know the small businesses can't sustain it. Like they're going to have to close up but 
this was an issue way before like the coronavirus pandemic is, you know, people are going to Walmart or they're going to amazon.com even more. So uh, they're, they're buying online from these big brand retailers as opposed to small businesses. But now they're complaining about, you know, small businesses being having to close down because they can't support themselves uh, from the lockdown. It's, and uh, it, it's, I don't know. I, I feel like, and it's not to put people down, but I feel like a lot of times people are for or against anything based on, you know, their sphere of influence as far as like social media and news programs, anything like that. Uh, working in advertising, I, I've talked to a lot of our, our clients about this where uh, I'll use Facebook as an example or Twitter as an example. How easy is it to have somebody like argue with you about any point, whether it be like healthcare, religion or whatever? Uh, and you're like, okay, I don't want to hear this block. Oh, here's someone else block. Oh, this person agrees with them. I'll, I'll follow them. It's so easy to just create like a vacuum of information that is only stuff you agree with. And then you quickly get into that mind state of, oh, well, everyone agrees with this point. Therefore, this must be the truth. This must be correct. And it, it kind of, it, I think people, a lot of, in a lot of instances, it can, it can be that way where it's people aren't realizing that there are huge swaths of people that have differing opinions because they've kind of contained themselves in this social media bubble that they've, they've created for themselves. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and you, and you add cognitive dissonance in, into mm-hmm. the mix. Um, and, and these social media companies thrive as well off of mm-hmm. anger um, and, and rage. Uh, there was a, a piece the other day um, where um, a person here who runs a, a news site, a, a kind of a local news site in Dublin, okay. and he was tweeting about how he um, he had been given ex, this extra credit the, for by Facebook to 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 use to promote posts. Okay. So initially, he he just you you different options, but the it automatically selected engagement um, as the the primary driver. So he mm-hmm. just went with that to, to see, and he he realized very quickly that he just ended up having people like screaming at each other in the <laughs> comments, yeah. um, and. Um, I mean, that's that's essentially in many ways kind of that that suits the the social media companies to, to have mm-hmm. people um, absolutely um, tearing strips off each other uh, and, and, and quote tweeting um, and, and retweeting and saying, look at this, look how stupid this person is. And can mm-hmm. you believe that this person thinks this and can you believe that there are people who um, think like this um, and when you have again when when you actually meet people with differing viewpoints in in the in the the the, the physical world yeah where rarely do you end up like absolutely screaming at one another but mm-hmm. it it you you end up becoming kind of so entrenched on social media and so hardened because we like when you see somebody's face it's much easier to empathize with them um yeah. and and so um that that's fortunately why um you know the the number of extremists was um you know was limited for for a time because mm-hmm. most people may you know you may be able to suck people into to to a viewpoint um but between the i think the social media the pandemic um pe- people have become 
very hardened. Social media does little for empathy, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And I think social media can be a great thing. I've seen it work really well. I mean, um, uh, both both on on an educational side of things and on the the Broncos fandom, the the ability we've had to to connect with fans across Europe, the same with the Irish Irish NFL show. But it is so easy to to lose sight, um, particularly on emotive topics and to lose sight of it and um just just to, to, to descend into to chaos and anarchy and um just gr- screaming at, at strangers without knowing who who they are or, or what their yeah. motivations are or is it just somebody who who's deciding to to be a you know um a troll or or dismissing people who are making legitimate argue, arguments as mm-hmm. uh, as trolls um because you you don't want to to consider their viewpoint so there are so many different aspects to it um but and and, and it is a minefield to to navigate um and even mm-hmm. where certain things can seem like there's a debate um, over hearsay at, at the moment, particularly in the United Kingdom around, there's been a, a huge increase on, on social media, um, uh, horrible racist abuse of, of Premier League players. Um, yes, I've seen that, yeah. But the, 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 the league's response to, to that was to demand that everyone on social media should have to provide, you know, um, uh, an ID, right? And they, they should, you, you can only, you can only go on social media if, if it's your real name and, and your real photograph. But that's, that, you know, in, in some ways that you, you think, yeah, okay, well, there'd be no, you know, people that have to say set up for recipes but like if you're were like say your employer is engaging in you know shady business practices or you know you are in a country where um you know you can get punished for um everyday behavior um Mm. suddenly if if you have to put your real name to everything you you absolutely crush any level of dissent so i don't think sometimes there are simple simple solutions to it but i i do wish the um the tech giants would take it uh more seriously certainly yeah i mean i don't know how many times it's happened now where they've had like mark zuckerberg for example for facebook they've had him testify a handful of times but nothing really ever came out of that um i was gonna say too it's it's easy to fall into that trap of like confirmation bias where you you know what you're you want the answer to be like i'll use the like the most recent one i had dealing with people in my my circle uh at least where i work was like the the vaccines for the coronavirus where they they don't want to take the vaccine uh for whatever reasons and so you know they have there's a bunch of articles coming out about like oh these are this number of people have been vaccinated you know this is working or whatever and then the only time they referenced and they ever brought it up in conversation was the most recent one with the Johnson and Johnson, like AstraZeneca vaccine, where six people had like blood clot issues. And they said, hey, this is why you shouldn't get vaccines, like because this is a thing that could happen. And throwing the the, the actual argument out the window about the vaccines itself is it's, you know, they they're only trying to find like the articles or like the the talking points that will 
will support their argument. Like they're, they're going to ignore a lot of the other ones. I, I feel like that happens a lot too, is people will ignore, you know, any information that they can find online and dismiss it because it doesn't support their argument. It's very easy to, to say, Hey, this is the one piece of evidence that does support my argument or whatever. And, and use that as the talking point. I feel like that's a, that's a thing I've run into a, a number of times is, it's just like I said, the confirmation bias where, oh, this this agrees with me. Therefore, this is the the truth. Yeah, no, I, I mean, and that 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 is the the case. But I suppose um, on some of it, like, and 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 there are people out there who are grifting and, and looking to make money off of mm-hmm. um, sowing dissent and sowing uncertainty. Um, but. There, there are like if if you go back to the swine flu vaccine, there were some cases of narcolepsy with that. Now it was limited, and we understand why. And uh, you know, personally, I, I I would take the COVID COVID vaccine if it was available to me in the morning, right? So I mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not saying that, but I think in, in, you know, if you dismiss every every person who questions the vaccine as mm-hmm. a lunatic uh, and, and, and a heretic and anti-science yeah, yeah, without yeah. looking at, at the reasons behind it. Um, that, that can be, and I, I'm not saying, I'm not saying you are, I'm just saying I, I see a lot of that on, uh, again, uh, just l- labeling an entire group and, and not, not understanding. Um, and, and certainly there are, you know, people who are anti-vaccine, there are people who, mm-hmm. who don't, believe in, in science and no matter what you showed them they would refuse to believe it um mm. but i i think um that is that's where we we get into the the cognitive dissonance because mm-hmm. you know my there there's almost like my side wouldn't would never behave in that way um yeah. and 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 my side is always right and it it treats everything um in terms of like you know favorite sports teams so politicians or supreme court justices get put up on on a pedestal like they are completely untouchable um when we we as the people um should be asking they they should be working for us you know Mm -hmm. instead of worshiping and and defending everything they do it should be well wait why why are you making that decision and and who benefits from that decision um but you know sometimes unfortunately there there will be people who will look to distort the the truth for any number of of reasons and Mm -hmm. generally it comes down to to personal gain um so i i think I think healthy skepticism um, can be welcomed, um, mm. but uh, yeah, it, it, it is it is worrying when um, it can be can be easy to to mislead people um, and 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 put a, you know a, a lie out into the public, and, and now it can travel um, truly uh, global in almost instantaneously. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I didn't, I didn't mean to put down people who don't want to get a vaccine. I can understand a certain point where it's like why you wouldn't want to get it. Maybe like when did I? I, I forget when they actually started working on some of these. But like we'll just say, uh, you know, in under a year they've come out with a vaccine for a virus that's, you know, mutated. It has a, a bunch of different strains at this point. I can understand. It was like, hey, I'd like to see more research in this before I get this. You know, I, 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 I definitely can understand why people wouldn't want to get it. And, you know, I also understand why people would want to get it. You know, I, the day this episode goes live, I'm we're, my girlfriend and I are both getting our first doses of the vaccine. Yeah, I don't mean to dismiss people. I just, 
it it does frustrate me to a point and it's kind mm-hmm. of unfair towards other people I, I do understand it but it does frustrate me to a point where uh, people will brush off a lot of evidence from all sorts of different sources but then immediately say hey this is from one of my sources that i go to a lot this is this is clearly true but all that other stuff you pointed out was is false because it's not from you know my source mm-hmm. yeah no and, and and see that's totally understandable but like you're you're able to have a conversation uh, you know in, in relation to it you're able to explain where where your frustration comes from you're able to try to understand the other point so you mm-hmm. can do that you can still hold your viewpoint and you know i i i as i would agree with with your viewpoint you know i i, I would get the vaccine um i just i understand some sometimes other people but you know and and what happens is they get lay people who who don't want it instead of taking them at where they're coming from they get labeled with the worst aspects of yeah. the anti-vaccine anti-science stuff and it becomes oh you believe it's going to turn us into reptilian you know um <laughs> slaves for our reptilian overlords and it's like n- maybe, maybe that person doesn't maybe they do because there are people right out there mm-hmm. but uh, who genuinely kind of believe that <laughs> um but not everyone subscribes to that. So let let's let's not go to that immediately. Let's let's test the waters and see why. Yeah. And then yeah, if they say, oh well, that's because you know Bill Gates wants to to control us. Then I was yeah, I was okay. gonna say yeah, you see that a lot. People are making fun of the people that don't want the vaccine because you know oh it's the five G. Bill Gates wants to track us. Um, I forget what some of the other ones were, but yeah, you see, I've I saw that recently yesterday, the day before, where somebody posted a photo like oh. Got my vaccine today. So glad that I can give my new child great phone service wherever I go now. You know, it's yeah, and 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 see, like people laugh, but like when it, when it when it labels when it punches down at everyone. I, mm-hmm. I, like another example of that was the your the last administration in in the United States. Okay, mm-hmm. um, and and let's not go too deep, but let's just say mm-hmm. the the former first lady. Okay, there mm-hmm. were people who were of the other party who ostensibly would call themselves very you know um would feminist perhaps or, or pro-women mm-hmm. or you know um uh certainly pro uh migrants intelligent educated and yet they spent a huge amount of time mocking how somebody talked mocking mm-hmm. how somebody had made money in 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 the past um their appearance and and, and things like that like there there were plenty of, of of policy positions that you could uh criticize there were look there were loads of of, of them you weren't short of them but i think mm-hmm. when you when you stoop to you know mocking how how somebody talks or you know the fact that they they took their their clothes off and yet you're saying that people should have agency to to do what they want but then you mm-hmm. belittle that um maybe you need to take a step back and look why why you're doing that and again i'm not i you know i i am um wouldn't have agreed in in almost any way shape or form um with that previous administration but i think there were substantive policy disagreements that you could have and i mean substantive yeah. policy disagreements without resorting to um mocking somebody on um on on other things no i i I, no i agree what you're saying like it i i i personally don't understand the whole 
like deifying of a lot of these people. I think you mentioned it earlier too, where it's like, regardless of whether or not I agree with, with the previous president, the current president, any of the presidents, whatever, I, it's just a person whose job it is to like move, like create policies, like pass, like work on like building up the infrastructure and like running the country. I don't understand this whole, like, uh, like they just, they're like a lot for a lot of people it their whole identity revolves around like celebrities like paying attention to celebrities paying attention to these like very prominent politicians and it's it's strange to me like i've never like i've never met any of these people like i can i can say like oh i agree with this policy i agree with what this person said or i disagree with this and that or whatever what they do in their personal lives i have no interest in that I, like i don't I've never met them. It doesn't matter to me. Like it shouldn't, what they do in their private lives, as long as it doesn't affect what their work is, or as long as it doesn't affect other people or like their, their ability to do their job, it doesn't matter to me. Like, I, I just don't understand uh, the sort of like uh, the idea of, I, I need to know everything this person has ever done. Like, I don't understand that sort of mindset of a lot of these, in a lot of these cases. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And then, defend defending them no matter what their behavior is yeah. um I, j- just because they, they're on your side uh <laughs> you know if you, if you do see them make the, you know it's, it's like it's okay to say i didn't agree with that um yeah. you know i substan uh you know i support a lot of what they do but i i don't agree with that um I, I think we, we you don't you don't necessarily um, it's it's like your 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 favorite sports team. It's okay to criticize the team sometimes if they oh we do a they're, lot. They're not um, <laughs> you know if they're they are um, if they're just not not playing up to standard. Uh, mm-hmm. That's that's how it works. If you don't hold people accountable, if there is no accountability, um, then then we get into real um issues and and that's where um we can run into to real problems is um mm-hmm. if uh, if there is no accountability because then people can can get away with behavior um that is um you know not like it it it, it begins small enough but it quickly becomes um illegal and apparent um and and mm-hmm. then you you know it's it's just um, well, that 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 side gets away with it, so who cares if our side do it? Yeah, I feel like a lot of times too, they use like these straw man arguments for anything, where it's uh, you'll say, uh, I'm trying to give an example. Like we'll talk about like guns in general, right? It's very clear that you know one side is very much for guns, the other side not so much. They very much want uh, like gun reform. It, it bothers me as someone who, like, I, I like guns. Like, I grew up around guns as my family. Not, like, assault rifles or anything like that, but, like, hunting-style guns, you know? And uh, it's like, yeah, I like I like shooting them. It's fun to shoot targets and whatever. So it, it's weird to me when people are like, oh, my God, I should have whatever I want. It's like, okay, I won't... Uh, uh, rather, I won't get into the politics of it. But it, one side will say, hey, maybe we should have gun reform. And the other side will say, you're trying to take away all of our guns. It, it's, like, immediately to the worst or like the furthest extreme um it like stuff that's the main example i come up with off the top of my head but like stuff like that where you're not like people aren't willing to listen to the actual arguments of both sides it's just i'm going to come up with the most extreme point of what i could drag out of your argument and focus solely on that you know like you want to take away all of my guns it's like not necessarily 
it's like that's what you're that's what you're trying to do and then they focus on that one point a lot of the time i feel like that's a that's a problem with i'll use like on on news channels in particular i feel like that's the thing where it's not even a concrete statement you know and the the um the ticker tape on the bottom of the the screen will say biden trying to take away all of america's guns or uh trump trying to deport everyone that's not white like it it neither of these things is factually accurate but it's just meant to draw attention to it and stir up argument well, I mean, rage. Rage drives engagement. It it drives mm-hmm. people to 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 tweet or to comment on Facebook or to continue to watch hours and hours of yeah. um, you know stuff that's uh, piped into to your living room. Um, I don't know if you you've ever heard of a comedian named Bill Hicks. Uh, who was a, a truly brilliant comedian, but died far too young of pancreatic cancer. Um, but Hicks used to have a piece about like, and this is, I mean, this is going back to the um, the 90s and, and it was, uh, yeah, and he was talking about like cable news channels and you, you turn on the news and it's like war, death, plague, famine, war, death, plague, famine. And you look out the window and the birds are chirping and your neighbor is waving to you. Um, you know, like you, you see it on the news. And, and I think some of that is, fear because fear is very powerful fear is a way to manipulate and control people and get people to buy things and it's engaging as well oh yeah incredibly incredibly so the number of times my girlfriend's mom has said oh everything on the news is always like sad and depressing i don't want to watch anymore yeah every single night it's like i gotta turn it on and see what's going on like like a guy like a person with a sore tooth you can't stop Mm -hmm. touching it you know um keep wiggling it and that's that I think is 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 a definite um, issue that that and I'll give you a, an example I've seen even in language. So as I said, I've been working with um, students like in in higher ed and and even in my own experiences in in college, I would have known because I was into um, the NFL. I would have gotten to know America a lot of American students mm-hmm. when. Students came over um, or people came over to Ireland um, and, and things were different from what they were used to, um, a different country. That mm. initially for a long time, that was weird, right? But weird is like, I don't understand that. That's kind of strange to me. Um, yeah. Whereas now everything is creepy. And, and creepy okay. comes with uh, far more connotations, right? Mm-hmm. And it's everything that's different is creepy. I see what you're saying, okay. Um, yeah. and, and that to me, you know, like that's just heightened awareness. And some of that is obviously due to, to 9-11 and, and, and post 9-11 fallout. But um, when, when you had 9-11 coupled with cable news, coupled with um, social media, it mm-hmm. is... Um, you know, uh, like the world is, for the most part, it's a, it, it is a safe place. We, we live in a much safer environment now than we did yeah. in the 1500s. But if you were to ask people, they would tell you that it's much more dangerous now um, mm-hmm. and, the, and that things are much worse now. And that isn't necessarily always the case. Like we, we have we have big issues with rising wealth inequality, right, particularly since mm-hmm. the, the 1980s. I mean, the, the period probably post-war to about 1980 are, are good in terms of um, the way in which wages rise, workers' rights uh, rise, um, you know, and... Um, there, there is some kind of uh, movement towards um, 
kind of kind of rights for for minorities. Um, a, a lot, an awful lot more work, obviously, to be done. Yeah then but even then but you begin to see the change in the 80s and, and you begin to see the the you know um wealth inequality begin again and then obviously take the, another jump since the, the crash um so i i just i i just wonder though in 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 the rise of the the like so what i i suppose what i'm saying ultimately is the world isn't is is, is i still feel right the vast majority of people are good people Right there, no, mm-hmm. no one's out to do people over, really. Um, and yet, if you watch the news, you would be convinced the world is a terrible place. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 just interesting. The for people in general, I feel like, are just kind of drawn to conflict, not necessarily like physical conflict, but just conflict in general. It's like we're pitting two things against each other. Like people are just drawn to that. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's engaging. Um, speaking of conflict, uh, going back to your sports talk. Uh, so I'm, I'm not a huge fan, but I'm a bit of a fan. Kind of doing a, a pivot here. I'm, a, I'm a, I was a fan of Russell Wilson because he went to NC State, which is a school I went to, and uh, he plays for the Seahawks, and they kind of beat up on the Denver Broncos in the one Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> they, they're not they're not the, the first team to beat up on the Broncos in the Super Bowl. The Broncos are are really good. Like when when the Broncos lose in the Super Bowl, it tends to be spectacular. spectacular. I felt pretty good about it, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I, I'll ask you that. So how did you get how why Denver? Like how did you get to Denver as your team? Um honestly, it was it was probably it was two things, a combination of two things I feel. So they used to show it on terrestrial television in Ireland. And I was just, I was a kid, um, okay. really young. But there, the, the Broncos at that point wore, and I wish they'd go back to wearing them, they wore like neon orange jerseys, like mm-hmm. luminous. Like you could see these things from space. Um, and that definitely caught my eye. And they had Elway playing. They had, and, and he was just here, there, and everywhere. I mean, if you like Russell Wilson, you like how Russell Wilson plays, that was John Elway. Except back in, in the 90s, guys could genuinely try to take Elway's head off on every single yeah. play. Um, and yet here he was ducking and diving and running and weaving. And he was just, it was just mesmeric to watch. And um, I, I just fell in love with the, the team and, and how they played and um, have, have continued ever since. And it's been interesting to see the way in which, so initially it was, it was shown, as I said, highlights on terrestrial television. So I got to watch the, the Broncos kind of every week, even just in highlight form, sometimes very short, um, depending mm-hmm. on you know, the, the particular game. But then it, it moved from terrestrial television to cable television, which I didn't have, couldn't afford. And um, so I'm, I'm following the Broncos just in the newspaper. Um, so and a lot of the times that might be even Tuesday by the time it, it got in, uh, you know. Um, and then I go to college and then I have the the Internet. Um, so I'm able to, you know, read more about it online and get results quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're still not in the streaming period. So it was that and then I kind of um 
I, I start working, I get some money, I'm able to actually get cable so I can watch the Broncos when they're on cable. So I get to watch a couple of games a year kind of thing. And then I start going over to making my trips over and I'm able to go to see um, Denver play in, in, in mile high. Um, and I suppose now we're at a point where Game Pass allows me to watch every single game. Um, okay. which which is a blessing and a curse because <laughs> it, the games are you know at such stupid times if it's on a, a thursday night or a monday night oh, or a, yeah. the sun the the primetime sunday games now the broncos haven't been in the primetime sunday game for <laughs> um four years at this point um so it hasn't hasn't really been an issue but though those sunday night games that is um that's about 20 past one in the morning here. And that's really tough because at least with the Monday night game, so the Monday night game kicks off at 20 past three in the morning. Mm-hmm. And, but at least that way you can kind of go to bed, say, even if you're in bed at 11, right? You get like, you get kind of four or five hours of sleep. You get up at three and you watch the game. Um, the Sunday night game, it's very difficult to say, I'm going to go to bed at 11 and get up at one. Um, and what happens, obviously, is like you're kind of so pumped with, with adrenaline because the game goes until, say, kind of half four or mm-hmm. four thirty. We say half four, um, four thirty, quarter to five. And uh, you, you're full of adrenaline. So there's no way you're going back to bed for like two hours to have to get up again yeah. at seven. Um, so that's uh, that can that can make it very interesting, and especially when the team isn't good and isn't winning, and and yet you just you're watching and you're still watching and you're hoping, but nope, not doing it. So yeah, the it, it has been a real roller coaster, and obviously seeing different quarterbacks come in, like in in a post Elway world and then a post Manning world. Um, yeah. But I I remain a, a committed and devout <laughs> fan of the Denver Broncos. Nice. Yeah, I, was, I was actually going to ask, like, how internet aside, how easy is it to watch them on just cable? Is it not not easy um, okay. uh, in the last few years? Just because the Broncos have, and and I saw, oh, it was one of the guys off of Good Morning Football, and I can't think of which one, but he said recently, um, you know, because the the Broncos were hyped for. A number of years like the the Broncos gonna be good like last year people had the Broncos as a sneaky good team and they were going to surprise people and then they were awful and and they they not they weren't just awful they were boring I mean that's Mm. the you can be bad but like when you're boring and the Broncos um alongside the Jets have scored the fewest points in the league since 2017 so people aren't interested in you so you don't feature um and so it's certainly if you were just relying on cable the Broncos don't get shown a lot um you know maybe a, a game a year um, no, I, I can follow. Um, but be, yeah, being irrelevant hurts. Uh, it, it's better to at least be a bad team who who people talk about than um, kind of a nothing team over the last uh, over the last few years because the, the quarterback carousel has just been um, awful. And and they, they, I mean it, it that has been like what you have seen on on the Broncos on on cable has been the images of the, of the carousel where they have yeah. various uh, you know people on these uh, carousel horses going around and that's that's it that's what the Broncos are currently famous for mm-hmm. now I was curious because I know like if I don't I, we don't have cable I don't have I think we have like two streaming services my girlfriend has Netflix and she shares that with her her family 
and then I temporarily have HBO Max just because I was trying it out since I got a free service or a free month of it. Um, so we don't have cable or anything like that. But like with a basic cable plan, I could watch like every NFL game if I wanted to. But I would have to spend hundreds, and it might be different if I lived in a more populous area. Like if I lived in a city, it might be more likely. Um, but like I can't. It it is next to impossible for me to get like La Liga, like Spanish football league. Like it just it doesn't happen. Like I would have to spend so much money to be able to get the one channel that they show it on. Um, and and I suppose in certain ways, what's like where where at soccer or um, fo- you know football over here, the issue that some of the leagues have, um, particularly Spain, is the fact that you know it's only now they have made it so that only Barcelona or Real Madrid will will win that league. Um, which kills interest in the game yeah. eventually because people just get tired. And unless you're a fan, a mega fan of those teams, and even then, surely if your team, I'm a like, Barcelona fan. <laughs> but and and Barcelona have have been up and up and down in in recent years. But been, if, yeah. if if you if you like if they were to win year after year after year after year. It can't, you know, it, the excitement can't be the same. I think one of the one of the things that made the NFL so interesting was that the, the winner does vary. Um, and yeah, you know, enough, you, yeah. okay, you had the the Patriots dynasty for the the like, ridiculous amount of time, but that's not as guaranteed, though. No, it's like, it's, to, it's, to it's not. It, you know, they might do well every year, but it's there's a lot more parody in the sense of like one game and it could all be over for them. You know, mm-hmm. they just have a, a rough outing. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what makes it exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it, like I said, right now in La Liga, at least there's six points between the top four teams. And then after that, it's like 15, it's a 15 point gap to fifth place. So it's, it's, it's a, there's a bit of a difference there. So it is interesting this year, but yeah, like it, like I said, it's just, I was curious cause it is such a pain for me to be able to watch any of those games without spending an exorbitant amount of money for cable. There are some streaming services that I could get a uh, Fubo TV is one of them. Mm-hmm. Even then I don't get to see all of them, which is why I canceled that a while back. I was like, eh, I'll just watch the highlights. Um, I think sling is another one okay. where they, you can stream a number of them. But yeah, it's watching overseas sports is a can be a pain. I apologize, my dog is has entered the room. What what kind of a dog do you have? Uh, he's a yellow lab husky mix. Oh wow, he's a, he's a good boy. He is he is now sitting on my chair and I am kind of hovering in front of it. <laughs> but I know I. So yeah, no, you got that's how you got into Denver. That's awesome. That's that's really cool. It's. I was gonna. What was I gonna say? It's interesting, like trying to follow a, a sport that's not. Uh, I don't want to say not relevant because, obviously, uh, soccer is, is growing larger and larger in the U.S. every year. MLS is getting bigger and bigger, but like around, like if I were to try and talk to somebody about like La Liga around here, nobody would have any clue what I was talking about, Just especially in my town. But it seems like, uh, especially with. Uh, 
with the Broncos, just in football in general, it seems to be getting more and more popular over overseas. They're hosting two or three games a year now over in Europe, right? Yeah, so L- London will um, host uh, two games and then uh, there's now going to be a game in Germany and okay. there's going to be uh, a game in Mexico City. Mexico City as well. And there's talk that um you know they they may well uh look to expand on those cities so that in the future mm-hmm. you could potentially see games um you know in different european um countries or you know different south american countries yeah nice yeah i i always i went to uh i've, I've seen barcelona play live once they played juventus in new york at metlife stadium four years ago something like that maybe three or four mm-hmm. years ago um, that was awesome. It was really cool to see him in person. Um, I I don't do a lot of like live sporting events. We used to go to uh, uh, one of the local universities uh, hockey games. Those were a ton of fun. I think hockey is a really good sport to see in person. I think a lot like some sports are are not as great in person. Like baseball, I'm not a huge baseball fan to begin with, but it, it is kind of fun. You, you know, you make a day out of it. You go, you hang out at the stadium. You're just kind of hanging out, chatting. Um, I think like seeding is a problem in baseball. The number of times like they'd hit a, f- a fly ball and it would go to like just beyond like second base or whatever, just into the outfield. And you're like, oh, it's going to be a home run. Uh, no, it didn't go anywhere because you're just stuck sitting up in the in the skybox as a parent, basically. <laughs> like we were, we were lucky with uh, when I, I saw Barcelona, I got us like the, not the, the lowest level seats, but one level up like right at, at the midfield. So we were super lucky. But even then, like watching it on TV, you definitely get a better view. Same thing with the uh, UFC. UFC is really hard. It's it's not fun to watch it in person. Like you can't, the cage makes it super hard to see through. And so all you're seeing is the cameraman filming the actual event. And then if you're sitting back further, it's you're just far enough away that you can't see what's going on really well. Oh no. Like that's, like that's a sport where I feel like that is way better to watch on TV. Or if you're lucky, you rent out what we did. We rented out a local theater and we watched it at the local theater and we were all hanging out there. We had like uh, about 35 people, which is really cool. We're all just in the movie theater together and you're, everyone's like cheering and going nuts. And it was a, it was a cool experience. Yeah. Like that, hockey, that would be. <laughs> yeah. Hockey is a ton of fun in person. Even if you don't get a great view, like there, I've not been to a, professional hockey game i've gone to like a a lower level uh game there's a place nearby called wilkes-barre scranton area they have the wilkes-barre scranton penguins they're like the minor league team for the pittsburgh penguins and uh i've, I've been to them a couple of times and that was fun uh but the local university one i went with my cousin a lot because he worked out there and uh it is so much fun uh because you just you're right there the stadium's fairly small and you're you're hearing all the hits. You're here. You're seeing them hit up against the the glass, and it's just the energy in the building is is so much fun. Like I would highly recommend if people can watch a hockey game in person, definitely go do that. That's a very fun experience. Yeah, no, that that is definitely on my my bucket list of things to do. Um, when I when I next uh, get stateside, is is I want to see yeah, definitely want to see a hockey game live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, once once everything clears up too, I think my girlfriend and I are gonna go see more sports. I'll, I'll we'll probably go to like Philadelphia or something, uh, see a couple soccer matches down there or something. 
but yeah, it's, I don't know. There, there are definitely some sports where it's, it's better in person or better at, at home on TV. UFC, I was, I was shocked by it was, it was surprisingly bad to watch in person. <laughs> well, I suppose so part of the, the beauty of, of going to see something live is the, mm-hmm. the atmosphere. Um, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and yeah. if the atmosphere is really good, but I think potentially with, um, with UFC, it's difficult because, you know, it's, it's kind of, um, unless there's a really big name fighter going, like mm-hmm. it, it's probably, you know, some people are there to watch maybe just one or two fights and they're probably not interested. Whereas if you have sure. say two teams going against each other, um, mm-hmm. you know, that, that lead, that lends itself to creating a really good atmosphere. Because it's like, everyone is here for somebody, you know, or it's like, like you said, like there's, I I forget how many people are on a typical UFC card. We'll say 10, right? There, The odds of somebody being there and being a fan of at least one person every fight is very slim. Mm-hmm. They might be a fan of the sport, in which case they can enjoy it. Fair enough. But if you're going to, like, say, a football game, soccer match, hockey game, you know, there's only two teams playing. Like, if you're going, you're going to be a fan of one of them or you're just there because you're there to have a good time. But... Yeah, it just uh, the atmosphere can only get you so far. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I, certainly in that instance, but um, I, I've I've definitely I've been to to soccer games, I've been to games, uh, Broncos home games, and the atmo- when the atmosphere is electric, like you are, you know that's that's what you're buzzing off, and um, mm-hmm. that's what like I go to see some uh, lower league uh, soccer games in. Um, in England and um, like the the fan chants that fans come yeah. up with are hilarious <laughs> and and that's you know that's nearly more enjoyable than sometimes the what's going on on the pitch um, yeah. and that's what you're going for um, is to see what people come up with uh, mm-hmm. like they I went to see one game and the opposition goalkeeper it was FC United of Manchester and and the opposition goalkeeper looked like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo <laughs> and so there's a chant in soccer, which is attack, attack, attack. And the yeah. fans started chanting a snack, a snack, a snack, a Scooby snack. And ask, <laughs> and where, where is your famous mystery van? Um, and there was just, there were so many, so many brilliant comments. Um, and in yeah. fairness, he, he took it in good spirits. But that, like the, the, the half, particularly where he was at our end of the stadium, became trying to come up with funny comments to make at the goalkeeper. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, there's something about like big, like massive outdoor venues that also lend themselves really well to like building up the atmosphere of it. Like we went to uh, Penn State football games because I have family that worked for them. And uh, it is like I I'm not a, I, I have no real interest in Penn State football, but it was so much fun going because you're just in this massive stadium. I forget, like 80,000 people. And it's just there's so many people and it's just like uh anytime something happens like a big play happens you know the whole stadium is just shaking with people cheering and everything it was it's it's a it's a really interesting experience ton of fun i would imagine yeah yeah um yeah no it's i don't know i i i look forward to being able to to travel again and being able to go to a lot of these different events i was i was very jealous my aunt and uncle uh, before the, the pandemic, they were traveling through uh, Europe a bit more and they went to the Barcelona Stadium 
and uh, I was so mad. They're like, yeah, we didn't really have any interest in stopping by, but you mentioned it, so we figured we'd check it out at least. And I was like, really? <laughs> was well, like, now now you have to come visit. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh man, because I, I taught they'd come to visit uh, here right beforehand. Like, yeah, we're gonna go over there. I was like, oh man, I want to go to Barcelona. I want to see the the stadium and everything like that. I want to go see the the music hall. And they're like, oh cool. And they go over there like, yeah, we went to visit all the places you mentioned. I was like, of course you did. <laughs> Oh, that's that's just teasing you yeah yeah definitely <laughs> uh so we're actually almost an hour and a half in here i didn't mean to, to keep you too long um is there anything you wanted to mention before we, we wrap it up here i went through all of my topics um well it's uh been a lot of fun uh chatting to you yeah. if uh if there are any <laughs> listeners who uh who want to get on in touch uh you can find me um i'm probably most active on uh twitter um, I, I, I think I'm on all of the social media um, platforms, but, um, you can find me on Twitter at column from Cork. Um, you can, if you're interested in higher ed, uh, you want to check out adventures in advising. Uh, I think we're just about on every podcasting platform, or if you are an NFL fan and you like hearing people four lads with funny accents, uh, talk about, <laughs> uh, football, um, we would be delighted, uh, check out the Irish NFL show um again we're we're probably most active on twitter you can find us on facebook um you you can find us on youtube but um yeah no i i love chatting to people i love interacting with people so um if there are uh, listeners who, who want to get in touch uh, please do yeah and i'll have all the links in the description too so make it nice and convenient for everybody magic um, yeah thank you again so much for coming on man. this was a ton of fun really really appreciate you adjusting the schedule to make it happen really appreciate you coming on chatting it up about Cheers, all Josh. thank you thank you and everyone go check out deadjustproductions.live we've got the posters available now on the main page uh yeah good go check out all our stuff all the new merch we've got available so thank you everyone for listening thank you Colin, for coming on really appreciate it we'll see everyone next time